You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, I think this is kind of an emergency pod. I'm, uh, I don't think I'm going to break out the voice because I, I don't know if that tone would be appropriate. Um, but this is kind of an emergency podcast as uh, the Bucks made a couple moves today here on Saturday. We never record on Saturdays. That's just not really a thing that we do. Um, but we just we don't we don't we don't pot on Shabbos. That's what we don't do. <laughs> so we don't at all. Um, <laughs> we just have. I, I, I'm trying to think. The only other time is Bucks beat the Raptors in Game One. I think that might be the only other time we've potted on a Saturday. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, the, I, I, who knows with free agency? Um, oh, I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't remember what uh, what free agency was like last summer. Um, because that obviously the free agency cares not for weekends, but uh, obviously this this weekend was uh, a bit different with a pretty action packed day of news. Some some of it probably less expected than others. Um, and but either way, a couple of topics um, that we have talked about before, and um, I'd say for very different reasons, didn't want slash expect um, yeah. to have to talk about. Um, but, uh, obviously, um, today with Mirza Toledovich's news of, um, him being waived and, you know, presumably, uh, his future being certainly very unclear whether he'll ever play in the NBA again. And, um, Brandon Jennings being brought back at least temporarily to the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, two things that we've talked about. And I don't know if we expected certainly to talk about them this year, but here we are. Yeah, I really don't know that we did. Uh, we will recap the Knicks game from Friday here at the end of the podcast. Um, but yeah, I guess the, the day gets started today with Mark Spears of uh, the Undefeated reporting that the Bucks would be signing Brandon Jennings to a 10-day contract coming up here, um, which kind of left everyone on the internet with the shruggy emoji look like, that. well, they... They, they, you know, there's not an open roster spot. Like, what, what's going to happen there? And it was kind of a strange situation in that normally when those things occur, you're going to get an answer within an hour, two hours, three hours. And it just kind of dragged on throughout the afternoon, and there wasn't really an answer. And then uh, the Bucks made the announcement tonight that uh, they would be requesting waivers on Mirza Toledovic. And um, this is someone had asked earlier in the day, you had put it out on Twitter that you thought, okay, maybe this would be a situation because someone had asked you about it. Like, okay, maybe it would be possible. But I was kind of in the opposite, uh, I was on the opposite side of things. Like, I just didn't think it was really really a possibility at this point just because I thought you'd be 
kind of taking on some stuff that you you I don't uh, some added risk I, I guess you could say uh just because the assumption would be that Mirza Toledovich's career is over um but at the same time you just don't really know for sure and uh obviously this year he's been out with pulmonary emboli and obviously it's a, it's a condition that can not only keep you from playing basketball it is something that it can be life-threatening um so it's a very serious condition and it's just something that someone had asked earlier this week like when can the bucks release mirza and we talked about it on a podcast i think two weeks ago and how would all that work out and and to me it was just always the assumption that it was all going to get sort of ugly between the team and the player in kind of a, a Chris Bosh kind of way where Mirza's going to want to come back. Mirza's going to feel like he's healthy. And obviously there was the rumor from Gary Wolfel that he was going to be retiring and not playing. And Mirza came out and on his Instagram said like, no, that's not the truth. I'm not doing that. And I, I guess for all of this to kind of happen so quickly, I kind of figured it would get to a point where it, there would be the year removed that you would need to uh, apply for the uh, career-ending injury waiver. I can't remember if that's the exact name. Um, but that year would pass, and then you would go about waiving Mirza Toledovich. So this one kind of caught me by a surprise, and I just I, I wasn't really ready for it. And I guess what it says to me is that you, the organization has to feel very confident that Mirza Toledovic just isn't going to be able to play again, which is, to me, really sad. Like, Mirza Toledovic's like, dream of playing professional basketball in the NBA is over. Like He got to do it for a couple of years, which is nice, but he's not going to get to kind of live out that full career, live out that full dream. And um, I had tweeted it out, but... It, it just really stunk when this diagnosis first came down and we heard that he was going to be on the injured list. Like earlier that week, Matt Velasquez and I talked to him and he was uh, trying to, he was talking about how he was understanding his fit a little bit better in Milwaukee this year. He was understanding that, okay, I need to get to the corners for Giannis because that's where Giannis prefers to pass the ball. So I've been trying to get my stamina up to make sure that I'm running all the way to the corner rather than to the trailer spot. And there was just like an excitement and Mirza was telling jokes with us and uh, the guy, all I can really think of are those conversations and just like the fact that, that this dude probably probably isn't playing in the NBA again. And to give you guys a sense of kind of timeline, so um, you know the significance of this is, is this also isn't the first time this has happened with him. So uh, in January of 2015, he was ruled out for the remainder of the 14-15 season with basically. And again, I, I you know I can't speak to uh, you know we're not doctors, right? But nominally the same issue this blood clotting in his lungs um and he actually returned three months later and actually played um briefly in game he actually played in in that in the playoffs that year basically exactly three months after he was first diagnosed with um the blood clotting in his lungs and um you know pretty significantly thereafter uh chris bosh um also had the same issue and ultimately um and, and again, I'll say he was forced to retire. But keep in mind, Chris Bosh, according to Chris Bosh, he has not retired. So that's an important thing to note. And, um, you know, Mirza similarly doesn't seem to want to retire. Right. Um, you know, he's doing kind of what he can, as he said on Instagram the other, you know, whatever that was a couple of weeks ago. But 
you know, when that happened, a lot of people <laughs> were quick to say, you know, see Gary Wolfel, you're wrong. He's not retiring. But, you know, and, and, and Matt Velasquez pointed out in his article in the Journal Sentinel as well, I mean, this isn't really the player's call. I mean, obviously, if the player decides he wants to retire and he's not comfortable with, you know, the risk, then it, it makes everything pretty easy. But, you know, generally, in a lot of situations like this, whether it's this blood clotting or, or other issues that you hear about, you know, guys want to come back, right? Like, and guys sometimes are willing to take risks um, because this is, you know, their dream, right? Um, you know, basketball isn't football with head injuries, things like that. But certainly guys at times will have these risk factors, um, not just to their, you know, sort of day-to-day livelihood, their knees, ankles, whatever, but, you know, heart conditions where, you know, I, we've even seen players pass away. Um, and in this case, you know, thankfully, I, I don't, I'm not aware of a player passing away to this type of injury. But, um, you know, with Chris Bosch, uh, Miami Heat doctors said, we're not comfortable with you returning to basketball. Yep. And since then, Chris Bosch, you know, was waived. Um, you know, you, again, he's getting paid the, the entirety of his remaining contract. Mirza will get the remainder of his salary this year. He'll get the 10.5 million he's owed next year. Um, that amount, um, the 10.5 next year will get paid out over three years. Um, the bucks can decide if they want that cap hit to come over one year, sort of as it's currently scheduled or, spread that 10.5 out over three years. So 3.5 million per year over three years. Um, but the big thing that obviously we've discussed is, you know, in November of next year, which will be the one year anniversary of him playing his last game. Um, you know, the NBA CBA does have a provision that if a guy is forced to medically retire and by that means, again, doesn't mean that he decides he doesn't want to play. It means that basically a, you know, doctor who the league appoints or, you know, a panel that the league appoints, determines that basically, you know, this guy is is uh, uh, too high of a risk, basically. Like, medically, it's too high of a risk for this guy to continue playing. And even if he says he's fine and he wants to play, um, you know, if the league decides that, uh, then, you know, again, the team that he was playing for uh, can basically have the remainder of his contract essentially wiped off from their cap. So, you know, it, it obviously, we're going to mix sort of the practical human side of this, which obviously is kind of the first thing you think of, right? That this person is a has a very serious medical condition. Yeah. So you want Mirza to recover from that. So he has, you know, regardless of his playing uh, career has a normal, healthy life, you yeah. know, lives a long life. Um, B obviously, you know, provided that he's healthy in that way, then you hope that also he can obviously one day have a chance to, to restart his career. And again, even if the bucks, you know, do get, um, you know, do get this, you know, decision next fall or, you know, if, whenever it's, it's basically, you know, comes down, it would not go into effect until November. Um, you know, it's possible he could come back at a later date and, um, and play again. Um, I think the general rule is if that happens, if once a guy comes back and plays 25 games, then his contract goes back, um, basically starts to count against the, the original team's cap again. Um, but again, cause it's a one-year contract, or he'll have one year left on his deal. And again, I mean, look at Chris Bosh. If if there was a team out there that was willing to 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 sign off on Chris Bosh's medical condition, I think Chris Bosh would probably be playing basketball right now. Um, but even with Bosh and how talented as he is, you know, nobody's nobody's willing to do that. And yeah. Bosh has been out certainly a lot longer than than Mirza has, and Mirza's had this now twice. So I would be shocked, to be honest, especially given that Mirza is, you know, not a an elite player that a team might be willing to take a risk on, which, again, I mean, 
doctors should not be willing to take risks on guys no. just because they're good at basketball. Um, but again, I'm I'm won't. I'm not, I'm not going to be so naive as to think that maybe that would factor in in some way. So I think for Mirza, you know, again, the question is, is there really a team that's going to be out there and say, like, yeah, we want to we want to take a chance that, you know, this guy can can play and be healthy. Um, and again, there's there's a the medical risk that a team takes doing that. But B, you know, I mean, the last thing any team wants to do is sign a guy to play and have the guy suffer a serious injury or, you know, worse um, while playing for them. So. Again, from a practical perspective, I would imagine this is the end of of Mears's career. You know, he's 31 years old. Um, he came over pretty late into his NBA. You know, from in his career to the NBA. Um, and again, it, most likely, I think what you'll have see, you know, have happened is that um, again, the NBA, the, the Bucks will, you know, in November, uh, essentially go into this process to to have him ruled medically unable to play. And I imagine, especially given that, you know, we've only had two guys be sort of, you know, the, the, this provision that allows a guy to be removed from a team's cap sheet due to a medical retirement. Um, from what I can tell with the new CBA, we only had two guys have this apply to. One is Bosch and the other was Nikola Pekovic from um, from the, the Minnesota Timberwolves or Nikola Pekovic, presumably Pekovic. Um, and. And that was for an you know, ankle injuries that basically ended his career. So um, it's only happened a couple times. And interestingly, one of those times was for a guy who had basically the exact same medical condition. So, again, I would be very, very, very surprised if Mirza does play again in the NBA. Um, perhaps he might play someplace else in, in Europe or something like that at some point. I don't know. Um, but I would be very surprised if he came back to the NBA. And, I, you know, again, I don't have inside information, but I, I would be very surprised if um, – you know, the Bucks weren't granted this um, this cap relief next fall as well, which, you know, has obviously uh, pretty big implications for a team that uh, has a pretty inflated payroll as well. Yeah. And and I guess the other part of it, too, is just like it. I don't I can't imagine and we'll talk about Brandon Jennings in a little bit, but I can't imagine a team would take any sort of risk here that they're thinking 50 50 whether or not Mirza comes back. I can't imagine a team would take that risk to get 10 days of Brandon Jennings. Like that, that just doesn't add up at all. So I would, I'd be inclined to agree with you. Like I, I think that, and again, this process takes a while. So I'm sure they've done all their due diligence and they figured out every possible way for him to come back. And they've tried to figure out exactly how they can make this work. And I, I would assume they're just at a point where, you know, they they have total they have a total belief that there's just not a way for Mirza to see the floor again and again all this kind of makes me uncomfortable talking about it but uh, that to me seems like just kind of the basis of all of this that if you are going to release Mirza Toledovic this year and not wait until you get to that point that that you mentioned uh, a year from now or a year from the last game that he played like you're not going to get to that point um, like if you're if you're not going to take it all the way up to that point, you'd you'd be very uh, you'd be very confident that there's just not a chance that he, that he can get back on the floor, which is sad. But ultimately, uh, for the Bucks, a, a business decision that uh, they decided to make today. So um, anything? Yeah, on, and, go ahead. yeah. Not, sorry, and I, I was just going to add as well. I, I I don't. I was not able to find it, but I know um, John Horst was on. I believe he was on 105.7 The Fan, maybe if few weeks ago and he was asked about this about Mirza specifically this is before 
think this was before uh, Gary Wolfel, um, you know, put it out there that he mm-hmm. that you know the expectation was that Mirza would retire. And I believe at the time, John Horse might have said that like it was basically sort of like they were waiting kind of a three month period um, before making kind of a, a further evaluation. Uh, and you know, you mentioned going to talk to Mirza back in December. Um, he was originally diagnosed uh, with on December 14th, at least was when sort of the first report came out or the Bucks released basically the news that he was out um, with with this in, this injury for the second time. So, you know, we're essentially now at just about the three month window as well. Um, and again, not that there's. Uh, and, and, you know, anything particularly magical. I don't know. I will, well, let me first say this. I don't know, you know. We don't know what might have happened behind closed doors. We don't know yeah. what do- doctors have seen or not seen. You know, when it first happened, basically they said there'd be a 10 day sort of rest period where they would then kind of begin supervised rehabilitation. So, you know, he's been, you know, he alluded to this in his in his Instagram message that, you know, he was taking medicine and kind of doing his rehab, doing all that stuff. Um, but, you know, we don't know what what the opinion was of doctors, right? I mean, it could be that the week this happened, that doctors might have told the Bucks, like, look, this is probably it, right? Um, I know we talked about that possibility back then, but you know, look, none of us are, none of us are experts. We're not doctors. We haven't yeah. evaluated Mirza. Only the people that have can you know really give give that kind of information. But um, as you said, presumably, if there was a good chance that Mirza Toledovich was going to play basketball next year. I think you, you know, if you're paying the guy 10 million, regardless, you will probably would have wanted to have him on the roster playing for you because, you know, unfortunately, as we saw in only a brief window this year, but, you know, he's a guy that can still add value in the NBA, given that he, um, you know, has pretty much unlimited range and he's a big body and, you know, he's a stretch four that, uh, again, he's not going to be a starter or something like that, but, um, you know, it, we saw good chemistry with him early in the season with Giannis, and I know he was optimistic about how he had started the season well, shooting 47% from three after a disappointing year a year ago. So, um, so yeah, it's tough, but I agree. I don't, I don't think the Bucks would. I, my assumption was that this was eventually going to happen, and that when it happened, it would happen because the Bucks at that point believed that that was it, right? That you know their doctors were not of the belief that you know they could get comfortable with. Uh, and again, we're we're speculating here, but that you know when it happened, they would they would be of the belief it'd be because they'd be of the belief that Mirza was not going to be able to return, and you know they wouldn't expect sort of a league panel of doctors to to disagree with them. And um, you know, I, I agree. Like <laughs> they're not gonna, you know, I I would be shocked if they would take this kind of risk, yeah, um, just for the purposes of getting a 10 day contract for Brandon Jennings, right. To open up, uh, the roster spot necessary for that. Um, but I, I, you know, again, we hadn't really thought that this was going to happen this year just because, or this during this season, just because the summer was like, ah, well, whatever, you know, they don't really necessarily even need to add another body. Presumably a Toledovich decision happens this summer. But again, if they had enough information to know that he's not coming back, then, you know, there's really no, from from everything I understand about sort of the, the process for getting the cap relief, there's really no reason to to keep him on the roster otherwise, right? So yeah, you were the um, team that had his rights when it happened. Like that's literally what the that's all the rule cares about. Like it doesn't right. none of that. It, there's no date where it matters for getting certain rights. Like it, the injury happened. <clears throat> the injury happened while he was on your team, and 
yeah, like you're totally fine. So yeah, if you are that confident, there, there's no reason to keep him on the roster at that point. Um, which sounds kind of dirty to say to just discard him, but obviously, uh, hoping the best for Mirza and that he will he'll get the medical attention and he will have the the right people around him to make sure that he does like you said live a live a happy healthy life so um we'll we'll kind of see what happens there All right, moving on from Mirza Toledovic, um, unless you don't want to, just jump in and let me know, Frank. But moving on from Mirza Toledovic, the roster spot that he occupied will now go to Brandon Jennings. And it, it th- this one's kind of interesting because when the herd signed Jennings, I did not think there was a chance that they would bring Brandon Jennings onto the roster. And I thought that because... The last time Brandon Jennings played NBA basketball, he was bad. He just was not a good NBA player, and that would have been uh, in the 16-17 season with the Washington Wizards and the New York Knicks. He just wasn't good. Um, and he would come in off the bench, and uh, those bench units for the Wizards would kind of crater, and it just it just wasn't good. He then went to China, and then when he was with the Herd, they're just, I mean... <laughs> I think it's it's tough to get excited about a Brandon Jennings who is averaging, uh, let's see, in seven games with the Herd, 21.4 points on 34, let's see, his triple split is 34.6, 33.9, Uh, So 34% from the field, 33.9% from three, and 85.1% from the free throw line with 3.9 turnovers per game. Like, that's just not... Again, I don't. I'm not going to tell you that I'm a G League expert. I'm not going to tell you that I'm watching G League basketball every single night of the week. But I will tell you that I know numbers are inflated in the G League. Uh, it is an offense-friendly environment, and guys can put up some points there. Uh, so, 21.4 points in seven games. Sorry to say, that's not enough to get me excited. And when you throw in four turnovers per game in a G League setting also not going to get me excited and 34% from the field really not going to get me excited. Um, There's just not a lot to like there. So throughout this entire process, I thought there's just no way that Jennings gets to the NBA roster because I don't know if he, the last time we saw him, he wasn't an NBA player and I don't know what would have changed in his time in China in the in the G League to make him an NBA player. Um, the only thing I can really think of is uh, Matt Velasquez had reported earlier today that uh, Joe Prunty mentioned that Matthew Delvadova did have a bit of a setback with his ankle. Uh, originally, when he went out with that ankle sprain, it was supposed to be a three- to four-week injury. Three to four weeks have already passed, and he has not returned to the floor. Um, and he confirmed to Matt today that there was a setback. Um, so I just think overall not not what you want to hear there, obviously. Um, but when you think of why now with Jennings and why not when these injuries first happened, that can that's really my only thought because other than that, He's just not. He's just not a very good basketball player. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, the the what happened question. I think what happened was Delavadova had to set back, right? Because if Delavadova is coming back this week, then you know, I, I don't think you you 
have really a good argument for for bringing Brandon Jennings on. Um, and again, I mean, a 10 day isn't much of a commitment, obviously. Um, you know, the, it's not like you're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, even I, I forgot what the 10 day would be for him, but it's probably, I mean, it's under a hundred thousand bucks. So it's, it's a pretty low, low value risk to take on a guy. But I, I agree. I mean, if, if you've got, um, if you've got Del Vidova coming back, then I wouldn't see this happening. And, you know, as, as, as we said back when Jennings joined the herd, I mean, if you really wanted point guard depth while Del Vidova and Malcolm Brogdon were hurt, then presumably you would have signed a point guard while Matthew Del Vidova and Malcolm Brogdon were hurt earlier. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, again, they added Xavier Munford a while ago on that two-way contract in early January, or I guess it was right before, uh, what was it? I guess it was mid-January, right when the the um, deadline hit for, you know, giving guys two-way contracts. Um, but, I mean, we've seen basically nothing of Xavier Munford, certainly nothing in any type of meaningful minutes. Uh, and so as as good as Xavier Munford was in, in the G League, and Xavier Munford was a lot better than Brandon Jennings has been in yep. the G League, certainly a lot more efficient as a scorer. Um, you know, Xavier Munford hasn't really gotten any any shot to play. And, and again, I mean, you know, there is definitely something you said for guys who have played a lot of minutes in the NBA at that level, having a better chance to come in and contribute than a guy who, um, you know, really hasn't gotten the opportunity. And some guys, you know, can be good in the G League and they just can't quite make that leap, even if they have the talent maybe to do it. And that, you know, maybe that's Xavier Munford. Maybe he yeah. figures it out here or elsewhere at some point. Um but to me, that that would have been kind of the more interesting thing, I think, would have been to, you know, give Xavier Munford a chance to actually play a little bit in meaningful minutes. Like, I, I'm trying to think if he's played meaningful minutes other than really that Minnesota game when Brogdon went down. He got like a few minutes in that first half. And, you know, I think he hit one random runner, but otherwise was kind of just out there. Yeah. Um, but we haven't really seen that. And, and instead, the you know, the the basic lineup that we've seen is, you know, essentially Jason Terry nominally at point guard, but with Giannis running the offense. And um, those lineups have, have not been great, not been very effective. Um, and again, probably because you just don't have enough talent out there with Giannis. But again, I mean, we've seen pretty much all the lineups struggle a bit of late, uh, maybe other than <laughs> on Friday against the Knicks, which we'll talk about here in a moment. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's. It's curious timing, except for, I think, that Del Vadova note. And so that would be my supposition as well, that, you know, if they think that they're a few weeks away from getting Delhi back, a few weeks away from getting Brogdon back, um, then they thought they wanted to get somebody. And again, it, you know, is Brandon Jennings better than, I don't know, pick your random dude off the street? I mean, Darren Williams, for instance. I don't know. I'd probably rather have Darren. I mean, I think Darren Williams is probably still a better. <laughs> I don't know what Darren Williams is doing with his time these days. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe some of these guys who, who haven't been playing. The concern is that literally they're just not in any type of game shape. But um, you know, obviously they've they've had a chance to kind of organizationally see Jennings up close. And you obviously mentioned, you know, certainly the concerns around you know just the inefficiency and the chucking nature of his just game just the brandon not jennings nature of brandon jennings yeah the brandon jennings nature of brandon jennings um because that's pretty but, much uh, his entire yeah. career like yeah too many turnovers just, can't shoot like that's him yeah yeah although i mean i will say this i mean when we were sitting around this afternoon um trying to figure out what happens next you know the first question that i think a lot of us assumed was well does this mean they're they're cutting shabazz muhammad already mm-hmm. and obviously i was not a fan of the shabazz muhammad signing i didn't really think he made a lot of sense for this team i i mean when he's been on the court it's certainly been like with Giannis. we saw him with Giannis and jabari on friday I and mean, i just 
this seems like not the kind of way you're going to set him up to really be of value to you. I think he needs to be out there um, playing like the three or four uh, and preferably not with Giannis because he doesn't really space the floor or yeah. really pass or do things that you'd want around Giannis. But um, but obviously if they had if they had waived Shabazz, you know, five days after giving him a $400,000 contract for, or sorry, $347,000 contract for last year, that would have been extremely curious and yes. made you wonder, you know, what, what did they realize? Like, did they realize that he was bad? Like, you know, many of us thought earlier, I, you know, I don't know, yeah. but, um, but obviously the, the belief that it ended up not being Shabazz and that he's obviously still around. So, um, so yeah, it's a weird spot. I mean, to be honest, I, as much as I have zero expectations of Jennings, I've, would rather have Jennings than Shabazz. I know obviously they have both. <laughs> they have both now. Yeah. Um, I think at least Jennings fills some big uh, area of need. And, you know, for all his flaws, he will get hot. Teams do have to account for him from three-point range. He will uh, shoot threes off the dribble. <laughs> which oh, perhaps, yes, maybe, he will. Maybe, 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 uh, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't have been so loud about that, Eric, uh, talking about your, your desire for a guy who shoots threes off the dribble. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but for better or worse, I mean, he's obviously a guy you have to account for. Um, he can still make plays at times. Um, again, I, I, you know, since that Achilles, he's really been just a, a really a shell of his former self. Yep. And again, I don't know if he's ever going to be something else. Um, but again, it's, it's sad. I mean, he's just 28 years old, by the way, if you're, you know, a New Orleans Pelican fan and, you know, you see all these guys who suffer Achilles come back and just not look like themselves, it's got to be pretty scary with Boogie Cousins tearing his Achilles. And, um, again, Jennings obviously more a guy more dependent on his quickness maybe than on, than a lot of players anyway. But he was really young when that happened and mm-hmm. um, happened, in, happened in Milwaukee, in fact, only, only a few years ago. So, um, so I guess we'll see. I mean, again, I have no – I'll ask you. I mean, you know, do you think he's going to actually get – minutes do you think he's gonna basically be here for 10 days and not really play at all um what's your what's your best guess i mean i would assume he'll probably see some minutes but uh i don't know i mean obviously a 10-day contract gives you very little um you know it gives you very little latitude to to actually kind of get a good look at a guy um but the bucks do have at least i guess probably a little bit of practice time uh, over the next week so i guess we'll see how he fits in there as well yeah, there's maybe some possibility of him playing a little bit, uh, especially with, and again, we'll get to this Knicks game in a little bit, but the way that you saw the Bucks manage minutes against the Knicks, like the playing Giannis 35 minutes, Middleton 31 minutes, um, would suggest to me, uh, as well as playing Shabazz Muhammad six minutes, and uh, it would suggest to me that maybe just maybe you weren't really all that concerned about the New York Knicks beating you, um, especially with the rotations that we've seen in the past week, two weeks, where the rotations really shortened up. They've gone eight deep on a lot of nights and really just cut down on minutes for a lot of, or cut down on minutes for just about any of the bench guys. Um, for seeing Shabazz Muhammad in the second quarter was um, a bit of a shock to my system uh, on on Friday night. So if you are thinking that way against these upcoming three teams, like they are all bad. Um, they are all teams that I can imagine you're not going to take very seriously. Um, maybe Jennings does get some run against those. Um, and that takes you through I mean, a large portion of your 10-day of your with him. 
Um, whatever he does end up signing, I can't imagine he would sign before. I guess if you could hold it off all the way until Monday, you would do so, um, where you could sign him there and then get the most out of those 10 days. But you just have Memphis on Monday, Orlando on Wednesday, Atlanta on Saturday. Um, you're already six days through your 10 day. So um, could he see run against all those teams? Yeah, he could. Those teams suck. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you're you're really putting uh, some high leverage minutes on his plate. Um, So in those six days, yeah, I think there's a chance that he he gets some run, and maybe that can help cut back on on Jets minutes a little bit. Maybe that can help. uh, I don't even know. I was going to say Muhammad, but you probably want to play him a little. I don't know, um, but yeah, he can get some minutes. But I don't, I don't think this is a a serious role going forward. Um, thinking about it a little bit more, playoff eligibility. What are dates on that? Is, he is ineligible for the playoffs. Or uh, is he, he signed? I I believe he is eligible because he was not on an, another NBA roster before he was signed. Okay. So he um, could be but, playoff eligible, and maybe he has that 15th spot, or maybe after those 10 days, you think okay, he's Brandon Jennings, we should sign someone else. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing is, too, is that, um, I mean, he has a 10-day, right? So you know, the way these work is you can sign two 10-days before you have to be signed for the rest of the season. So yeah. um, that that those are sort of the gates, right? The first 10-day, does he show them enough to stick around for a second 10-day? Does he show them enough then? Um, then he'd have to get signed for, for a remainder of, uh, of the season. So, um, And like I said, I mean, that's probably... I don't know, depending on, I'd have to look, but, you know, prorated minimum contract, you're talking, you know, I don't know, 400 grand or something like that, given mm-hmm. he's been around for a while. He's, he's not like a 10 year vet, but you know, he's, he's been around longer than for instance, Mohammed. So, um, so his minimum is a little bit higher than that. So, you know, that's sort of the question. Do they see enough value? Um, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think just from a curiosity factor, like I, you know, like Muhammad, I had no interest in really seeing just because I just don't think he really fits unless, you know, you're resting Giannis or unless, you know, if you started Jabari, then like maybe there could be some argument just because you have so few um, forwards that like maybe you could argue uh, there's some room for Muhammad to at least get more of a look. Um, and, and by the way, I mean, I would much rather see if DJ Wilson can play basketball at all than like screw around with Shabazz Muhammad, but yeah. um, apparently, you know, the Bucks don't share that same view of their first round pick, which is kind of sad. But, um, but yeah, I, I'll be interested to see. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think we're all, you know, the novelty of him coming back makes this obviously interesting. Um, I don't want, you know, I think certainly some people might have a bit maybe outsized expectations, but um, by the same token, you know, of course, Brandon is a guy that, you know, I think probably the him being away from the Bucks now for a few years, I think maybe makes people view him maybe a bit more favorably than they did when he was on his way out. You know, I think I think a lot of people were kind of we're kind of done. <laughs> maybe just maybe. Um, you know, and and that's the thing, right? I mean, it's it's crazy to think that um I guess it was what the summer of 2013, jeez. Yep. Really, you know, less than 5 years Not that ago long that ago. Um, you know, there was the question of, are the Bucks going to make him the centerpiece of the franchise, right? <laughs> and five years later, he's 28 years old and he's a 10 day guy. Um, which again is a good reminder that things change extremely quickly in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, um, never, never over, you know, estimate, you know, sort of the stickiness of rosters or the stickiness of 
player's abilities or, you know, if a guy looks decent one year that, you know, he's going to be around even a year later because just stuff, stuff happens. And Brandon's a, you know, a pretty good example of that. I think, you know, hopefully he's a guy who has, uh, I think, as you pointed out, has, you know, been humbled. Um, yep. And I don't know. I mean, it seems like certainly like his, his interview with Jim Paschke when he went to the herd, I mean, he, he, you know, seemed to be embracing the G league experience, you know, and understanding that this is his way back into the league. And, um, I don't know We'll we'll see. I mean, I, I think just purely from a nostalgic sense, again, I was in no way sad when Brandon was dealt. I mean, I thought that was obviously in hindsight, a great move. Um, you know, even if the Brandon Knight experience didn't really go anywhere specifically, the fact that you got Chris Middleton out of that trade is, is still pretty crazy to think. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think certainly an older Brandon Jennings, a um, bit more mature Brandon Jennings, um, you know, if, if he can come in and give you anything, uh, you know, give you a couple stints here and there. Um, that would be fun. You know, again, I'm not expecting it. I, I hope he's not needed, uh, let's say. Um, but again, cause, cause that's the other thing too, is like, if let's say he gets signed for the remainder of the season at some point, and I, it's kind of a similar thing to when, whenever Derek Rose has been mentioned alongside the bucks or in any way, yeah. like somebody inevitably comes into my mentions and is like, well, he's definitely better than Delhi. And it's like, no, nope. I mean, Nope. Saying that, like you know, Derrick Rose could probably beat Delhi in a game of one on one. Definitely, but could. like, <laughs> but like to say that you want a guy on your NBA basketball team as part of you know a five man unit, as part of a ten man rotation, or whatever it might be, as part of a locker room, um, that is a different question. And uh, again, I'm not gonna try to tell you that Delhi's this great NBA player or super valuable or that. You know, I'd hang on to him even if a team was willing to absorb his salary. No, I would dump his salary. But, you know, again, like, is he a guy who can provide you good minutes in the right role? I think he can, you know, like in in limited doses. And does he play a role that, you know, again, can fit around a guy like, you know, or your best players, for instance, because you do have obviously guys who can make plays outside of him. I think that's true. Um, And so is he beloved in the locker room? Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah. And does he play, you know, hard and does he, you know, set great screens for Giannis and yep. everybody else? You know, the, the, he, he is very different from Brandon Jennings. But again, I don't know. We'll see. Right. It's it's probably not going to make really much of any difference, but uh, we'll just have to see how it works out. All right. Uh, let's take a look at Friday night's game. The Bucks win 120, uh, 112 over the New York Knicks. Giannis has 28 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks. Chris Middleton, 30 points on 11 of 16 free field goal shooting. I didn't realize it was quite that good. Um, 11 of 16, 4 rebounds and assist. Um, I mean, going up and down the roster, Henson, 14 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, a steal, 4 blocks. Bledsoe, 7 points, 8 assists, 4 steals, 3 rebounds. Uh Javari Parker, 12 points, 5 assists in 23 minutes. Tyler Zeller, 12 points, 6 rebounds, 1 assist. Sterling Brown, 11 points, 7 rebounds, and an assist. Like, there's just contributions up and down the roster. Um, only guys that played and didn't score, Tony Snell, Jason Terry, Xavier Munford. Shabazz Muhammad got in the mix, 6 points in 6 minutes for him. Um, this was a game... I, I'm. 
I don't know. I'm trying to think of the game I've seen that little respect shown to an NBA opponent. Um, but it's been a while since I've seen the Bucks show that little respect to an opponent. Like Eric Bledsoe is doing a push up to start the game um, that Joe Prunty wanted to make sure everyone knew he did not like. He did not like it. Um, so like they they started there and were I mean that's goofing off to start the game. Um, the the Bucks play a large rotation on the night. Um, don't really play. Uh, I mean get guys rest after a week two weeks of playing guys a lot of minutes night in and night out. Get guys some you know, a little bit of a decline there and uh, get them some rest. Didn't really seem to uh, care that the Knicks were in the game and only really decided uh, once the Knicks took a one-point lead with 114 left in the third quarter, um, it was at that point they said, okay, you know, this is, that's enough. Like, you guys don't deserve to be in this game. Um, and I, I thought it was especially apparent in Giannis in that fourth quarter. He just brought the ball up the floor, left wing, uh, Tyler Zeller in the game and either would get a screen from Zeller or just have Zeller float in the lane and he was just going to go to work and I know you tweeted about it but it was one of those nights where it was just Giannis is better than everyone else on the floor and he knows it and there's literally nothing you can do about it like Lance Thomas good luck Tim Hardaway Jr. nah and his Kantner nope like, none of you guys can do anything to stop this. And Giannis is just going to take it to you, and that's what he did. Yeah, this was the second half was a lot of fun. I think at halftime, Giannis had eight points. Chris Middleton had 11 by the end of the game. Chris Middleton has 30. Giannis has 28. So 39 combined points in the second half from Chris and Giannis. Um, and with Giannis, I agree. I mean, Lance Thomas has defended him pretty well. I mean, Lance Thomas is a yeah. solid defender. Um I think the lack of a rim protector was very apparent. You know, when Ennis Cantor and Kyle Quinn are your only big men uh, with Porzingis out, um, Giannis had no fear uh, getting to the rim and and just, you know, relentlessly getting, you know, going to the basket. And, I mean, I, I don't know, what, what he missed, like four makeable and ones or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, he had a, uh, he had a, a little, like, layup which he had to be a little acrobatic on on the first play of the game that he like missed badly that he should have made he had a, a dunk where it looked like he got smacked in the junk basically yeah. and, and went up and missed the dunk no foul um he had a number of of shots that he could have made on top of this he finished seven out of 15 um that he didn't make but in that second half uh he was terrific you know and, and again still had maybe a couple that of and ones additional ones that he got that that didn't go down um but i don't think he made a jump shot all night and it didn't necessarily matter because nope. the knicks just could not keep him out of the paint and um he was just using all that length all that just i mean just force of will i mean i, I you know i said it was just a force of nature sort of <laughs> he, he yep. flipped the force of nature switch like i'm just not going to be denied um and it was pretty pretty amazing to see i mean it was kind of maybe a little bit of flashes of uh of what we saw um at times in the the philly game as well where he just was like i'm just i'm just going i'm getting yep. to the basket and he had a couple of little like um, hook shot, floater, push shots type type plays out of the post um, from the middle of the paint with his right hand. Which thank to be honest, you so much. Oh my uh, gosh, thank he you. Had one of the, he had one of those against Philly as well, and that is the shot. You know, we always talk about his jump shot, but 
he he can get a good look at a little like half hook shot yep. anytime he wants, especially when he's guarded by smaller players. And he so I mean we've seen it at times, but I, I mean we've seen this even his second year. He he went to this somewhat, but then it seems like that that move has not really been a priority for him, or some for some reason he just hasn't been really comfortable with it. And I, I just think that's a great shot for him if he can get confident with it. That's going to make him so hard to defend because. That really makes him, you know, he posts up a lot, but he's not really like he's either shooting jump shots or he's shooting layups. You know, yeah. um, that shot is sort of the the in between shot, which makes him look more like a post up guy, which is sort of that like you know post type player move. That if he can get that shot down reliably, I think it just makes him that that much tougher. So obviously, yeah, we want the jumper, we want all the other stuff, but and there's just um, some, there's just so much strength in that. move. Like that is yeah. a strong move to the middle, as opposed to uh, so often seeing him go with that baseline fader, which uh, obviously is a shot that he had a lot of success with early in the year. But now that his jump shot has been a little bit off in the last month, um, I think it's just a shot that he hasn't shown quite as bit of comfort in. And now I just always think getting to the middle of the floor is so important um, as a post player because you just draw so much. Um, you just make so much happen. Um, I just think it's so big. And then also when you're not going to that fader, like it's tough to have a lot of counter moves off of that fade. Like if you put, if you plan on your right foot and you're fading uh to that right or to that left baseline like you're gonna have to be going away from the basket and then defenders can kind of take away that space like you as you've moved away from the basket they've taken that space and it's hard for you to get your momentum going back to the basket um sometimes you can kind of get like a, in a, in a like an old school akeem move on somebody but for the most part it's more difficult um so getting to the middle like that just opens up all of those all those times you see him just pivot and and pump fake and pivot and pump fake and then all of a sudden he's jumping from the left side and he's on the right side with his hand like touching the square like it, all of those freaky things that he can do are just more i think relevant and prevalent in those moments um and then i think playmaking as well like a when you're fading to the baseline, well, is anyone really leaving their guy at that moment? Like, no, they're going to go for a box out or make sure they get in the passing lane. But when he goes to the middle, there was a beauty that it didn't end in an assist, but there was a beauty where he caught on the left wing, posted up, got to the middle. And then there was like a little bit of an angle to sneak one into Tyler Zeller and someone from the corner. I can't remember who missed the shot, but whoever the buck shooter from the corner, the guy covering him snuck inside of Zeller to take that pass away from Giannis, which I think was really the pass that he wanted, but immediately in air, he makes the adjustment, swings it to the corner and the bucks miss the three, but that's just such a great look and opens up so many opportunities. So yeah, that move, if, and and again, uh, we always talk about Giannis getting a jump shot and that being the next step. And has he maxed out everything that he can do? without having a jump shot and as we talk about that's another spot where he doesn't have to get i mean obviously you want to see him get a jump shot but he can mitigate the the idea like him not having a jump shot he can mitigate that some if that little floater that little touch shot that little push shot that little hook shot in the middle like if that becomes a, a more real thing that can give you i don't know 
another couple points a night, another couple good shot opportunities, either for you or for teammates. Like there, there is another level. There's a, there's always going to be levels, but that is another clear level where he can improve without quite figuring out his jump shot yet. Yeah, and and that's sort of the you know the 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 different layers to, to what he can do. Um, I, I thought you know I want to talk a little bit about Middleton. I mean I, I don't know if Middleton. I don't think we saw like you know some different Chris Middleton as far as. Oh, he's took like ten threes and they were all, you know, rhythm or whatever. I mean, you know, I think he what he was two out of four on threes, I yep. think. Um, you know, for the most part, he hit a lot of <laughs> mid range jump shots again. Um, but again, I mean, he was really good at them on Friday. Uh he I mean, he's been very good at them all season, right? It's more just we wish he didn't take so many of those specific shots. Yep. Um, but he's been very good at them. Uh, and, you know, on Friday, again, he scored 11 early in the third quarter, um, you know, after uh, New York had closed the gap uh, to end the second quarter. You know, it was a 60 to 44 game in the second quarter. Uh, they go on 11 0 run to end the half. Uh, and then Tim Hardaway hits a three to start the third quarter and make it 60 58. And you're thinking, Jesus, really, Bucks? Are we doing this again? We're yeah. going to like be in a dogfight with the friggin' Knicks. Uh, you know, for, for another, you know, half here and have this go down to the wire again. Um, but Middleton, you know, was just getting buckets, right? I mean, he didn't do much else in the game, but he shot extremely efficiently. Um, it was interesting. I thought, you know, Bledsoe only took six shots, had eight assists, four steals. You know, it was, I don't know how much of that was like a conscious, um, a conscious thing from, uh, from him to, you know, be more playmaker ish and, you know, take fewer shots. Uh, but certainly that was the net effect of all of, of what we saw. And um, again, you know, I, I think certainly he had some nice playmaking moments. You know, the uh, the moment where he went on the break, he was on a fast break, goes around the back. You think he's going to go into like a uh, like reverse layup type thing. And he ends up jumping up and then wrapping around to Chris Middleton for a dunk, a rare Middleton dunk. Um <laughs> That obviously was uh, was uh, was kind of interesting. By the way, I found a um, I found a four minute YouTube mix of Rajan Rondo doing weird stuff off of tip offs. This is like the origin, I think, of the yeah. Bledsoe Giannis thing. Like KG pretty regularly did snaps between the legs yep. to Rondo. Um, so if people are wondering, like, is this the first time? No. They didn't invent this. Must be like a Kentucky point guard thing or something. Because West, Westbrook um, and Mello were doing some weird stuff this year as well. Oh um, yeah, that's what Giannis told you in at halftime, right? Yep. All right. After the game, he had mentioned that. Uh, I think it, I think it's Mello and Westbrook. I know it's Westbrook. I can't remember who else it was, um, but I think Mello and Westbrook are are the two. Um, that they they did that, and Giannis again made it very clear they won't be doing that again. Um, he said that Coach Prunty had not talked to them quite yet about it, but uh, Coach Prunty made sure to let preemptively. Us... He was he was saying he wasn't going to do it. <laughs> so maybe maybe Joe did mention something, uh, and he didn't want to mention it. But yeah, they they were they were not about that. And yeah, you mentioned Middleton uh, scoring and Bledsoe passing, and man, that seems pretty cool. Um, Eric Bledsoe having eight assists. Like I know he's not. He's maybe not that upper level passer, but man, I feel like his game makes a whole lot more sense when he is creating for others um, in not taking a whole bunch of shots. Uh, so we'll we'll kind of see if that continues. And Middleton said something after the game about how um, 
he just felt like all of the shots he was getting against the Knicks were just very easy, that they were in the flow of the offense, that he didn't feel like he was forcing any tough ones. And I think as as you watch that game, we didn't see a lot of tough shot express shots. We saw the same shot locations, the same shot areas, but I, I don't think we saw as many of the of the ugly ones that make you groan when he takes it. And again, I, we talked about this before the podcast that we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Kevin Arnovitz and Zach Lowe talking about the Bucks. Uh, I guess maybe more commiserating about the Bucks uh, for 12 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it was uh, on the low post. We'll talk about that later this week. So if you want to go listen to that, so you know what we're going to be talking about, go ahead and do that. Um, but when he said that, it was just another one of those times where we've talked about this entire year. Every single time the Bucks play good, they tell us the ball was moving side to side. And we were able to get the motion, we were able to get the ball moving, we were able to get the players moving. That worked. And when the Bucks don't play well, it's, well, the ball stuck. And again, <laughs> this goes to Kevin Arnovitz saying, like, there needs to be something uh, systemic put in place that makes the Bucks' offense make more sense. And it... I mean, we've talked about it on this podcast for the last month, the last two months, the entire season, all of last season. Like, there just aren't those moments in this offense. Um, and it'll be a, a welcome change next year when the Bucks are running a new offense. And again, I don't even know if that offense will be good. It could be terrible. Um, <laughs> but there will, I would assume, be some more systemic things that make sense in the Bucks' offense. So um, it was just another one of those nights where, I heard it, and my follow-up question is always, every time someone mentions either the ball sticking or the ball moving, I always ask, how do you bottle that up? How do you find that the next game? How do you encourage that the next game? How do you keep doing that the next game? And the answer is always, well, you know, we just got to do it. Well, if that's all you got to do, you should probably do it. Uh, so I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of see, but like, again, it was just one of those moments where I just wanted to like hit my phone recording the interview against my head as a face palm. Like, come on, like, this is always the answer. And you'd think at this point they would have, they would have kind of figured that out. Um, anything else from the game you found interesting, Frank? Uh, I mean, Zeller, Zeller was back and Ooh, I yeah. mean, is, is Zeller your favorite buck center at this point? Yep. <laughs> I don't think it's close. I, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like, uh, and and John Henson was not bad in this game, but um, again, I I don't know, I, I I just Henson should be a better defensive center than Zeller. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Henson's really made a lot of difference of late, uh, and I just think Zeller's Zeller's just awareness, um, and and maybe it's just because I'm such a Giannis stan, and Zeller That's just so always seems to be in the right spot for Giannis to get him layups. Um, they just seem to have, you know, and granted, like we could have said something similar about Giannis and Miles Plumlee and you know, how did that work out? But, you know, again, fortunately Tyler Zeller is under contract for $2 million next year. So he's not going to get a $50 million contract, but, um, did you, but yeah, I mean, did you happen to watch Giannis's post game interview after the Knicks? Uh, I saw parts of it, but I didn't see it. And if you talked about Zeller, I didn't, I didn't see it. So I asked about Tyler Zeller and I said, Hey, in the past we've talked about, your connection with Miles Plumley. We've talked about your connection with John Henson. We've talked about your connection with Thon Maker. 
now, like, what is it with Tyler Zeller? Because it seemed like in that fourth quarter, you really kind of had something going where you'd either like get a pick and roll or clear out the left side. And he said, he's really smart. He knows how to play the game. He knows that if my guy goes under, he's got to flip the pick and roll. If I throw him the ball, he's going to catch the ball. He can finish. I just trust him in general so far because it's really good when you throw the ball to your big man and he can catch and finish. He's really solid, so I just love playing with him. He's really solid on defense too. And again, the fact that two times in that answer, catching the ball was referenced. (laughs) Um, I don't think speaks all that well of kind of the confidence that he has in some of his other guys. And you, you just kind of think about... He got one of the assists Giannis got on Friday night was a beautiful dump off to John Henson, where he got both the defenders up in the air, kind of brought the ball underneath from the left to the right, and then dumped it off to John Henson. And is that when he dropped it? He, and he fumbled had to go it down on the ground. Yeah. got up, got the ball, put it in with a lefty hook, and it was and ended up being an and one. But it was a situation where that should be a simple assist. Like there shouldn't be any fumbling there shouldn't be any problems and Tyler Zeller isn't like Miles Plumley and that he's going to throw it down really hard but he gets it up on the back uh, up on the glass and he do- he rarely gets his shot blocked every once in a while he does just because he's not quite as athletic but he's going to catch it and he's going to find a way to get it up on the glass he's going to pump fake and he's going to be strong enough to handle uh, any contact he can get like there's there's he just two a- hands imagine that <laughs> it- it's helpful um and I, I don't know. I just I just thought that quote was uh, again. Giannis is always very complimentary of anyone that he plays with. Um, obviously, we've heard him say I don't know how many kind words about Thon Maker, and well, I don't know if Thon Maker deserves any of those kind words this year. Um, so to hear him compliment someone is not a surprise. But the way in which he did the things that he mentioned, I, I thought were telling and uh, speak to, I think a solid connection between those two. Yeah. And I think I was looking, I think they're like plus 10 points per 100 together on the court so far, obviously, you know, not, not a huge sample size, but they have been effective. I think with Zeller on the court, Giannis lineups are 115 points per 100 per cleaning the glass. So, um, you know, the stats kind of matching the eye test that, um, you know, instead of a big man kind of clogging the lane and making life more difficult for Giannis, uh, Zeller is actually a guy who's been that, you know, that pressure release valve, uh, yeah. a guy who just finds the right spots and he's got a, a good lefty or righty finish around the basket. And I mean, the interesting thing is, you know, I, I remember he, he shot 38% from three with Brooklyn this year and you kind of thought, oh, okay, well, I mean, maybe he's going to like stretch the floor a little bit. Maybe it's really not something he's ever done previously. I mean, he didn't shoot. I don't think he had even made a three before the season. And then he just sort of started shooting threes uh, in Brooklyn a little bit like not yeah. many um but you know he was 10 out of 26 and like pretty limited minutes in Brooklyn I mean he's 0 for 2 in Milwaukee I mean he it's not like he's I, I don't know if he's hit like more than one mid-range jumper um but he, he doesn't really need to because he's smart about when he's diving to the rim he's smart about you know staying out of Giannis's way and when you know Giannis does get crowded when Zeller's guy does get to Giannis um Zeller knows how to make himself available for the pass and he knows how to catch it and finish it. And, you know, it's really simple stuff, but, um, but he's got those two good hands. He's got, you know, ability to catch, finish with either hand. Uh, and he also, I mean, he runs the court very well. He, he's not like a, obviously an explosive athlete per se, but he gets up and down the court very easily, which, you know, I think he runs the court better than certainly Henson. And I mean, Thon is, you know, Thon might be able to out sprint Tyler Zeller, but like not in any type of like functional 
knowing where he's going kind of way. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's been valuable and, and, you know, Zeller's been good enough on the boards. I mean, again, he's not like a great rebounder, um, but he's been, he's been solid, you know, certainly Milwaukee has been, been good enough, uh, been good on the offensive boards. And, you know, again, it's not to make too big of a deal out of, out of a guy like Zeller, but uh, when you can have like competent, when, you know, when you when your bench guys are competent and they yep. know how to plug in and be professionals and, you know, Zeller, I mean, how many times has he even practiced with the honest very few times probably, yeah. but he just knows where to be. And again, you know, uh, that makes Giannis's life easier. And I think that's what, you know, ideally you try to get out of all these bench guys. Right. And, and again, I don't know, you know, we talk about guys who know how to play with Giannis. I mean, like Jet, as much as he's limited at, at his age and does only a very narrow number of things, I think Jet at least knows how to play with Giannis. Um, you know, Delhi at times I think looks like that as well. Obviously, the yep. slow slow jumper release is a problem, but you know, given his ability to screen and um, and occasionally you know run a pick and roll and, and move the ball, um, you know, that's that's important. And unfortunately, you know, Mirza was a guy that I think we saw shades of that as well where yeah he's not a great player but he knows kind of where to be he knows how to play off a guy like Giannis and um again that's an important thing for for anybody that you're going to add into the roster and um so again I, I think it's an interesting puts the Bucks in an interesting spot um you know Henson uh again I I feel like in, in inevitably Henson and Zeller are probably going to be the guys next year I don't know what how Thumbmaker is going to fit into that um but I think Zeller has certainly shown enough that you know, again, having him on a non-guaranteed contract for two million bucks next year, I mean, that's 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 really nice. You know, if you can have yeah. a, a super cheap but effective uh, backup big man that can play off of your best player really well, I mean, that's that's a very nice little thing to have. It's not going to, you know, take you an extra round in the playoffs, but you know, you start to kind of fit, you know, effective basketball players around Giannis. That's that's obviously kind of your job one is finding stars to put around Giannis, but but after that, you know, you want to find those, uh, you know, like the, the the Spurs used to say, right? You find your three guys, and then you get a bunch of other guys who just sort of go through the wall for you, right? Yep. right? And stack them um, up twelve deep, like that's right. that's kind of how it goes. Like you just got to find those other guys. Um, I think that puts an appropriate bow on this podcast uh, as you're able to round back into Mirza. So well done, Frank. Um, but that'll be it for us for oh, today. Oh wait, one one other thing we need to acknowledge downtown sterling brown uh more he was more downtown sterling brown on friday hit three threes for the second straight game so that was nice to see 11 11.7 boards um would be nice to see consistent sterling brown um but you know again it'll be up and down for a rookie but that was uh, another nice positive thing to see shout out to sterling brown for doing a pump fake side dribble three for one of those threes because i wrote about it on friday at espn milwaukee um and then he did it in the game and i was like you know what man that's a perfect plug for me so uh, shout out to you sterling brown for making my content relevant that's always nice um all right that's gonna be it for us uh, obviously the big news of the day, Mirza Toledovic, uh, Bucks request waivers on him. Brandon Jennings now fills his roster spot on a 10 day contract and the Bucks win 120-112 over the New York Knicks. Uh, this will play, this will be available for you here on Sunday. Um, so this will be our Sunday into Monday podcast. Normally we release that Sunday one, um, I don't know, five, six o'clock, maybe even later if, if we are a little bit slower than that. So this will be your Sunday to Monday podcast. So if you want to, you know, split it up, do whatever. That's totally cool. Um, but that will be it for us for today. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.